and it's, it's no surprise and so so it's it's just at this part of the server service for me it's just something that's just always so 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 important because it's the word of god and you know so oftentimes we we place uh worship as a song but but really the the the, the part of where we need to be at is is moving on into the part that can change our lives that can change us who we are from the inside out um, and, and as we dive into Scripture and as we dive into the Word here today, uh, I am going to try not to bear your patience today, uh, but I will do this, is I will be obedient to what the Lord wants to speak here today, what He wants to say. So for, to, for me, each and every Sunday, it's not about how many people are sitting here, it's about the reality of life's being changed so it does i'm going to preach the same i'm going to prepare the same message whether it's four people or whether it's a hundred people and i don't know why that is flickering over there it's got to be something to do with that three-way cord over there um so uh, i'm not going to worry with it right now because it ain't nothing but a distraction is all it is because <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just here to pro to proclaim uh, the word today so I want to move on in I got about 44 minutes left so bear with me on that like I said because you know so oftentimes you know when we went to school or when we sit in a class we'll sit and we'll listen to the teacher or we'll listen to a lecture for X amount of time or we don't have a problem sitting down watching a two-hour movie but when it comes to the Word of God you know people will say hurry up I don't want to hear no more because you're stepping all over my toes well I'm here to tell you today if I'm stepping on your toes that I'm aiming too low because I'm aiming for your heart aiming for your heart today so so it's my job to plant the seed and someone to come along and water or I'm here to water today of something that's already been planted in you but at the end of the day it's God that gives the increase so today you know we just finished up a seven part series it's been such a good series for me and, and it's had a lot of uh, uh, feedback on that series via my podcast uh, but, you know, we're not in a series today as today, you know, as we've talked about today is Resurrection Sunday. So the title of today's message is called From Death to Life. And, and we can already begin to see the picture and we already know that that Jesus lived his life and he, and he lived a life and he set the example. He set the bar, if we could say it that way. He set the standard of how we're supposed to be living. So how many of us can say that we're living like Jesus is? So if none of our hands is up, the question is, is what are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? So Jesus, everything that he lived and the way that he lived was pointing himself to the cross. So as we're pointing ourselves to the cross, as we're putting ourselves in a position of where we're going to place ourselves on the cross, and then the reality of after we've been placed on the cross and we have died, then what happens? We become buried. So I want to move into to that and to the rim of that and I, again, I'm just don't pay no attention to the screen uh, of what may be going on there. I'll fix that cord some other time because that's not what's important. What I need is your ears and your heart to be devoted here for the next few moments if we could. So as we talk about um, from moving from death to life, I want to I open up with Scripture in Philippians chapter 3 verses 8 through 9. 
And here's what Paul spoke to the to the church of Philippi. And he said, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of quote unquote knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for his sake I have discarded everything else counted it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him you see now if any of us know who Paul was if we know the life that Paul lived Paul was a devout Jew Paul was also a part of the of the Pharisee council so what happened what became of Paul he began to persecute Christians. He began to put them to death. And he knew the law. He knew the letter of the law. He knew the basis of the law. He knew what the law meant. And see, what Paul was telling the church of Philippi here was that everything that I know is garbage. It's garbage when it comes to what? To knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. You notice here he doesn't say my Savior. Notice it doesn't say my Savior because what is a Savior? Someone who saves you. So what's, here's you a hashtag tough truth is the reality is that he's everyone's Savior. He's just not everyone's Lord because a Lord is someone who is your master, one that you pay homage to, one that you bow a knee to. So, so Paul made this very clear that Jesus Christ was his Lord because he served him and he was serving him. So he said, he said and, and all of this is worthless in compared to knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Philippians chapter 3 verses 10 through 11, it continues with this. And I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. I want to suffer with Him sharing in His death. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. So here we come with our title today, From Death to life. And Paul made this comparison of knowing Christ and this comparison of, of moving from being dead to being alive in Christ. So, so what does it mean to know? Does anybody want to take a gander at that real briefly? To know. What does it mean to know? Maybe, maybe even in our modern terminology, what would it be to know? It is to have Here's what the biblical definition of to know. To have an intimate experience with God. First hand, nothing held back. The most inner and quintessential of God's being. The all of who He is. So the word to know honestly comes from a sexual terminology. To know, to become intimate with and see and this is what Paul was saying here is that I want to know Christ I want to be intimate with him I want to know his quintessential being and yes I threw a big word in there I was working on that one oh no laughs I guess I don't need to quit my day job right so I, you know I, you know the, the reality is sometimes that that when when medicine doesn't taste good well sometimes what do we do we begin to chase it with something or we'll take sugar with it and it helps the what it helps the medicine go down it helps us to to ease it it helps us to be able to swallow the reality of what the medicines do so I will try to throw in some 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 dad jokes in there or, or some, a little bit of sense of humor to try to lighten the load here today 
Uh, and you know, by no, nobody is here to beat up on anybody. But but what does P, what does Paul say? That the word will search us. It, it will find us out. And the word becomes a mirror. We've all we all stood in front of the mirror this morning, right? Or at some point or another, we walked by a mirror and we looked in the mirror. So we saw who we were. We saw the reflection of the reality of what we look like. And some of us are skinny, and some of us are not as skinny. I'm being one of them. So, so if I don't like what I see, when I step on the scale, what happens? It tells me the truth, right? And sometimes it's not what we want to hear, but it does what? It is truth. So can we change that that is truth? The only way that we can change that that's truth is to change who we are. And that's what the Word of God has been designed to do inside of each one of us. You've heard me say, and I'll say it and say it and say it again. We can't change God's Word. We might try to go in there and erase it. We might try to scribble it out or mark through it. We can't change God's Word. But God's Word can change us. And it changes us from the inside out. We can't change Him. We can't change the existence of who He is. But He can change the existence of who we are. And the only way to do that is to take hold of His Word and allow it to be applied in our life. Or sometimes I might like to say to make His Word applicable in our life. And it is a discipline. It is a discipline to sit down and read. It really is. But you know what? This is a massive love letter that God wrote us. Why would we not want to know what He has to say to us? Because I guarantee you this, I'll just use Richie for example. Let's say he had to go overseas for a year and he couldn't take his soon-to-be wife. And I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just throwing an example out there. So if they wrote love letters to one another, then what would they do? They would read those letters over and over and over again. And you will begin to hear their voice and, and the words on the pages will begin to lift and they would become life to one another. And that's the very same thing that God's Word will do to us. But how can it ever do it if we don't place ourselves in His Word? And we'll get this to the later part of the Scripture. But in John chapter 12, He says, I did not come to judge the world. What you mean? You didn't come to judge the world. He said, but the words that I've spoken to you will judge you on that day. What day is that? When we stand before God. So if we know, if we already know the test that we're going to be given, why are we taking a test with a closed book? It's an open book test. But we're so worried about ourselves and what others may think and what I may be missing in life. But the reality is that every bit of that's going to pass away. Um, I think you moved ahead a little bit too much, but that's all right. So the only way to firsthand experience the power um, that raised Jesus from the dead is to allow the same power to be operation in you. But the question is this, is how can we be raised from the dead unless we are raised, uh, unless we first die? So how can we be raised? How can we be something new? unless we first die. So, so 
we'll follow this on down into book of John chapter 12. John chapter 12 verses 23 through 28. And I always come with a lot of scripture. Why is that? Because I don't want you to say, hey, James or Pastor James or Brother James, this is your word. This is what you've been speaking. If it's sitting right here, then you can take it to the bank and you can cash it because this is the reality of what God's word says. So follow along with me in verse 23. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. Verse 24, I tell you the truth. Let's stop for just one second before you keep reading. Why did Jesus have to tell them, I tell you the truth? Did he not walk with them for three and a half years? Didn't they see the miracles that he performed? But yet he's got to declare to them, for I tell you the truth. Why does he have to do that? Because we are always questioning God. We go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Did the serpent not get Eve to question what God was doing for them? Satan caused Eve to question God's heart. So here we are again, is that Jesus wants to affirm with this. So follow back along with me in verse 24. He said, For I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Everybody say new lives. New lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. He didn't say might or it's a possibility. He said if you love the, this life of, in this world, he said you will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must what? Must follow me. Because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now my soul is deeply sorrowed. Should I pray, God save me from this hour. Because he was at the brink of knowing what was about to come. What we just celebrated on Thursday and Friday was, was the passing of his crucifixion. You know, so Jesus, had, he had full reign. He had full right. He had full ability to say, Lord, take me on. I'm not doing this for these people. These people are wicked. They're corrupt. All they think about is their selves. All they want is their own desires. If I do this, so many of them are still going to neglect me. So many of them are not going to listen to what I got to say. But, but what did he do? He did it anyways. Because those, those are the ones that have chosen. Those that have decided. Those that have uh, made that conscious effort that this is what I'm going to do. This is, this is what's going to take place here. So, so, so we, we get back to the part where it says that uh, anyone who wants to serve must follow me. You know, Jesus even said another example through the word. He said that, he said that, that you, if you want to serve me, if you want to follow me, then you must do what? You must take your cross and you must follow me. If we don't take the cross and follow him, here's the, here's the very next thing that Jesus had to say. He said, anyone that does not take their cross and follow me is not worthy of my name. How many would say that's a tough truth? But that's the reality, right? So, so what it begins to make us do, it begins to make us think. And, and, and to make us think, makes us think of the reality is that if I don't follow Christ, if I don't follow the example of Christ, if I don't do the things that He's calling me to do, well then where does that place me? 
not as a follower. That's just what I call again. I know, I know hashtags may not be popular no more, but I'm still getting used to hashtags, so I'm still going to hashtag that's a tough truth. And that's not supposed to hit your toes, ladies and gentlemen. That's supposed to be hitting our heart. And this is a reality that I wake up to every morning is that, God, I'm going to carry my cross today. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter how people feel. It doesn't even matter about what my desires are because my desires have been submitted to you. It's been submitted to your will and what you want. So, so what is? So he talked about the seed that it must die. You know, we've all planted a seed before, no, or seen seeds planted. Maybe we even watched it on TV. But I know some of us in here have planted seeds, you know, because some of us here grew up where we had gardens at home, or we've tried to plant things. Let's just say even a flower. We maybe we've planted a flower from the seed. So what happens to that seed? When you pull it out of the fruit, when you pull it out of the vegetable, whatever that it may be, before you can plant it, what has to happen to it? It must, it must die on the outside before it can live. It's got to die on the outside first. So we'll take, let's just take, for example, a watermelon seed or a cantaloupe seed. Well, before we place it in the ground or when we take it out of the package, it's hard. And it doesn't look like there's any life to it. But before it can live, before the very thing that God has destined for it to be, it must die to the outside first. So we, it makes us no difference here because Jesus even stated that's, that's why I think it's so important to make sure that we, we introduce the scripture and the reference of, of a context of what the Holy Spirit's wanting to bring forward here is that we must die to the outside. Again, that is taking up our cross and that's following after him so so what does it mean to die does anybody want to ask that question okay well I'm so glad that you asked that question and the only way to answer that question is to find it in scripture as what does scripture say about us dying and what does God has to say about the reference of us dying Again, I'm so glad that you asked that question today because I know that you woke up this morning and that was the first thing that was on your mind. How am I going to die today? I know it wasn't on your brain. If we was getting up this morning like, man, I sure could go back to sleep. I'm not going to lie to you. I was up at 7 this morning. I was like, huh. set my alarm, quarter till 7. Of course, if anybody knows me, I'm going to set three alarms because I'm very prone to slap that thing. Shut up. Shut up. Hopefully, I hit the snooze button instead of the stop button because if I hit the stop button, that's one of the reasons why I set two more alarms so that just in case. And I turned the third alarm off this morning. Me and Kaylee has a, has a little joke that, that we say that that's the world's most dangerous game <laughs> is turning your alarm off and say, okay, I'm going to wake up in just a minute. I'm just going to go right back to sleep. And we've all done that. So that's what me and Kaylee called it. That that's the, the morning's most dangerous game is to turn your alarm off thinking that you'll be okay to get back up. You see, but the reality is that when something like that happens is it usually puts us in a rush. It puts us in a frantic to, to try to place ourselves back on time. So even when I woke up this morning, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you, I hit it three times and then I laid there and then I heard the Spirit of the Lord speaking to me this morning while I was laying there. 
He said, wake up, my son. And for God to call my name this morning and tell me to wake up because He has more for me. And the reality, ladies and gentlemen, is He's done the very same thing for you this morning because while you slept, you had no control, but you continued to breathe oxygen. As we, as we make this symbolize here or, or a symbolism of as we inhale and exhale, what does that sound like? Yahweh. Yahweh. We're always saying His name. His name is always on our lips. Our spirit man is always crying out to Him. He's always crying out to Him. Yahweh. 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 And we're always calling Him. Our spirit man is longing for Him at all times. So we're going to get back to the very question that y'all did but didn't ask is, how do we die? And sometimes I, 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 I begin to uh, get off track a little bit with my message. But I want to go to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, and follow along with me as we have it on the screen at this time. He said, Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Verse 2, and he says, Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ, Jesus in baptism, we join Him in His death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also live new life. Did He say that we live the same life that we lived before? That we do the same things that we did before? That, that Let's just be real. That we hang out with the same people that we did before? Do we allow the same people to influence over and over again? Or do we become the influencer instead of being influenced? So, I, I, And I like to take that all the way back to my church name. My ministry name is Salt and Light. What does salt do? Salt changes the flavor. It preserves. It brings healing. And that's what we are supposed to be. We are supposed to be the salt. And we are supposed to be the light of this world. And that's something that we will have to give an account of before God when we stand before Him. So, so verse 5, and it says, Since we have been united with Him in His death, we also be raised to life as He was. So Jesus was not the same person that He was buried as. He was buried as a human because so many people saw Him just as a human or mere man or just so many people proclaimed Him just to be a prophet. But yet He rose again. So He was raised to newness of life. So we've been placed in a challenge to move from death to life, to move from being the who we used to be to being who God has called us to be, ladies and gentlemen. That's just the reality of, of what God is speaking to us. I want to move on here because i still got some ground to cover this morning. Um, verse 6. And we know that our old sinful self was crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. So, so when we become dead 
to the things of this world, well, then what does that mean? That the power of sin, the bondage of sin, the power of sin loses its dominion in our life. You see, we see too many people trying to get free from drugs or free from pornography or free from uh, committing adultery. But the reality is, is that they try to do it man's way. But when we do it God's way, it becomes everything that God is destined for it to be. And so, so when we do it man's way, then what do we do? Man gets to glory for it happening, for us being set free. But when we come to the truth of the matter is that because of His blood, because of His precious blood that was given for us, not only did it free us from the penalty of sin, but it freed us from the bondage of sin as well. So, so He's talking about, again, just the only way to be free. The only way to be free is to die. And, and how did He describe that? He said that when, verse 4, he said, when we, when we died and buried with Christ by baptism. What is the word baptism? When we go to the Greek word baptism, the Greek word is baptizo, which means to cover up, submerge, or immerse, to baptize. It is to wash away, become anew. That is the baptism that God has been calling us to. This is the baptism that Paul was speaking here to the, to the Roman church. Uh, so it is the practice of dying just like Jesus that sin loses its power in our lives. Jesus died for sin and we are dying to sin. Listen to me again. Jesus died for sin. We are dying to sin. So we, how do we remain dead? We continue to crucify ourselves. And I'm not talking about physically placing ourselves on a cross, but I'm talking about denying our flesh the things that are contrary to God. Because 1 John chapter 3, it says this, For all sin, all sin is contrary and contradicts God's nature. So if God doesn't tolerate sin, and if we begin to practice sin, then what does that make us? You put the N-E-R on the end of sin. What does that mean? Sinner. Sinner is one who practices the opposite of God's nature. So when we practice the opposite of God's nature, then it has separated us. It has separated us in that relationship with God. Now, did God ever ask us to be perfect? By no means, He didn't. But he said, be holy because I'm holy. So that means what? That means we practice living that lifestyle of holiness. We talked about last week as we'll begin a new series soon, talking about the fear of the Lord. And we spoke about last week that when we have a healthy fear of the Lord in our life, then we'll do what? We will love what He loves and we will hate what He hates. When we go to Proverbs chapter 8, I don't have a slide on that, but the Spirit's just urging me to speak that this morning. He said that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. He didn't say dislike. He didn't say dislike. He said hate evil is the fear of the Lord. That is a manifestation of the fear of the Lord, is to hate evil. He didn't say hate the sinners. We hate the sin. 
there's such a huge difference in that. And, 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 and we can't get that mixed up. You know, I've made the reference to people before. You, 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 don't, you don't dislike or you don't hate the person that practiced sin or, or if we can just call it out, those that, those that practice drunkenness, those that practice um, uh, idolatry, those that practice fornicating, those that practice homosexuality. Because all sin is the same sin before God. It, it, one's not greater than the other. They all carry the same consequence. And what is that consequence? In Romans chapter 6 verse 30, uh, 23 or 30, I can't remember where it is. But it said the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Sin will cause us to be separated from God, ladies and gentlemen. And, and it's not about the reality of, hey, I messed up, I made a mistake. We're all going to mess up and we're all going to make mistakes. The question is, is that I continue to do the same thing? Did, I, did it become what we would say, in, in I guess in our language or our terminology, is our sinning habitual? Is it habitual? Because if God is, is calling us and, 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 and leading us to do differently and we're not doing differently, then that puts us in the bracket of being contrary to His nature and contradicting who He is. So, um, so uh, as we transition to the next part of this message, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, as we read that in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, give us that slide, baby. And it said, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. I want to suffer with Him sharing, excuse me, sharing in His death. And Romans chapter 6, verse 4 it says, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Again, that was a covering up. That was to emerge, to immerse um, uh, with Jesus, with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, we now also may live newness of life. So we get to the point of how was Jesus raised from the dead? I mean, we've probably, maybe we've all asked that question and we understand that it was God, it was God's divine will, it was His divine power for this to happen because God has a plan and God doesn't have a plan B, ladies and gentlemen. God has a plan. So have we become part of His plan? So what is this power? The power or glory that raised Jesus to newness of life, the power that had separated Him from the likeness of man, into the likeness of God. So follow me over to Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And my wife does such a good job on the slides. I thank you for that, my love. Y'all can give her a hand clap. All right. She don't ever get no praises uh, uh, any other Sunday, so we're just going to take advantage of that. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And it says this right here. Listen to this. This is very carefully because we want to know what raised Jesus from the dead. It tells us right here. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God's Spirit, His Holy Spirit, raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit. So ladies and gentlemen, this is what causes us to walk in the ways that God has called us to because so many times, how many, how many times have we really heard a message or hear preachers or hear ministers even on TV talking about the role of the Holy Spirit 
of what the Holy Spirit, what His job is in our life and what His role is in the kingdom. We've always heard about God and we've always heard about Jesus. But ladies and gentlemen, Jesus said, it's best that I go away so that I can do what? So that I can leave you the alos paracletos. All, somebody said, man, nobody's speaking Greek to me. Alos paracletos. It means another of the same kind. Another of the same kind. So if I say, if I just said, hey, Brother Joe, you just finished that sun-kissed soda. I'm going to get you another soda. But if I bring you back a Pepsi, did I bring you another of the same kind? I did not. I just brought you another soda. But if I bring you back another sun, orange sun-kissed soda, I just brought you another of the same exact kind. And that's exactly what Jesus said that the Holy Spirit was, that He was the Alos Paracletos, that He was another that's just like me. He's another that's just like me. So if we just begin to imagine if Jesus was still roaming and walking to and fro because Jesus said that I ascend and go sit at the right hand of the Father. And when He comes back, He's coming back to receive His own. So right now, Jesus ain't here. I don't care what people say. This is what Scripture says. So what do we have right now? We have the Holy Spirit. We have the other of the same kind. So we have that other that comes and His role is to do one of these things right here is to convict us of sin. How many of us have ever been convicted of doing something wrong? I ain't talking about standing in front of the judge because we've all, some of us has already been there, been convicted by the judge by something that we did wrong and we knew that we had done wrong. But how many of us have been convicted by the Holy Spirit? Or that little voice as in, you know you shouldn't be doing that. Or you should be doing this instead. We've, we've all felt that. We've all heard that. But when you begin to push him off and push him off and push him off, because the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman, he is never going to push himself on you. If you don't want it, well, then guess what? That's your choice. It's free choice. And that's what makes my relationship with God so beautiful, is that I freely choose to serve him. I freely choose to obey him. And the Holy Spirit will never make us do anything that we don't want to do. He will never, ever, ever. But He's always bidding us to do different, to do what the Word has called us to do. So here we can see that the Holy Spirit is the manifester of God's power, the manifester of God's Word, the power of God that wants and is capable to raise us to newness of life. So that's how, this is how Pastor James, this is how James has been able to walk differently for the past four years because some of y'all saw me four years prior to where I'm at now and I never thought that I'd be sitting here trying to start a church and trying to preach and, and doing this and that and the other. But the reality is, is that, what is it? When we go to a funeral and we said dead person in the casket, did they lean up and say, hey, I don't like the clothes that you put on me. I don't like this jewelry, I don't like my makeup, and I don't like the way you comb my hair. Did anybody of us ever see that? You know why? Because they're dead. And when we become dead to self, when we become dead to our desires, our wants, our wills, our passions, then we don't care how people perceive us. You can call me a Jesus freak, you can call me a holy roller, you can call me what you want to call me, but at the end of the day, I'm a child of God. 
He said in, in Matthew chapter 5, He says, Those that thirst and hunger for righteousness shall be filled. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't spend time consuming this because this right here will consume your life if you ain't careful. This is what needs to consume us. Because this is the reality of what's going to judge us when we stand before Him. I, can't, I just can't stress that enough, ladies and gentlemen. This is the reality. This is the everything. But we're so consumed by our wants and our desires. And we're growing up in a generation that our kids aren't hearing anything about God. They're being introduced to homosexuality and lesbianism or, or the TGBQTABCDEF, whatever you want to call it. But we're not introducing them to the very thing that's going to be what judges us when we stand before God. As I told a young man a couple weeks ago and spoke to him from, not from my heart, but it was from God's heart. And the reality is that I said, if I give you $100 right now, and in 10 years from now, 20 years from now, or I, let me rephrase that. I asked if I could borrow $100. Can I have $100? And in 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, in exchange for that $100, I'll give you $10 million. How many of us would be on that bandwagon? That would be a great turnover, right? Because if you, if, if you gave me 100 now, but the reality is that in 20 years from now, I just gave you $10 million and all it cost you was, was 100 right? So God gives us 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years right here in exchange for eternity. How long is eternity? Forever and ever. Eternity exists outside of time. Eternity exists outside of time. And God says, I'm going to give you 70 years here on earth. I'm going to give you 80 years. I'm going to give you 30 years. And all I'm asking you to do is to scrape every penny that you can to give me that $100, to give me that 70 years. And in exchange, I'll give you forever in my presence. How could we ever deny that? You know how we deny that? It's because we're too worried about what we want in these 50, 60, 70, 80 years. We're too worried about our 10-year goals. We're too worried about who we're going to marry. We're too worried about what people may perceive about us. But when we're in that casket, ladies and gentlemen, we can't care what we look like. And we won't care what we look like. You know how close eternity is? One heartbeat. One heartbeat away is eternity. And when we stand before God, there's no redos, there's no do-overs, there's no take-backs. It's forever. And everything that you did to scrape up that $100 for the exchange of forever will tell you if I'm going to give you eternity or not. Romans chapter 5 verses 11 through verses 5 through 11 those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves but those who live by the impulse of the holy spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities 
For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focuses on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to His direction because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. We're all guilty of that. So we see in the essence of here that God's Word says that He finds no pleasure in us not seeking to please Him. He finds no pleasure in that whatsoever. So we all have parents. And we've all let our parents down before. We, we just honestly, we have. How does that make us feel knowing that we didn't please our parents? Because all we want to do from there is, can I get another opportunity to make this right? I'll go above and beyond to not displease my parents no more. Verse 9, it says, But when the Spirit of Christ empowers you, what is this Spirit of Christ? The Holy Spirit. This is what brings us from death to life, ladies and gentlemen. He said, And if you are not joined with the Spirit of the Anointed One, you are not of Him. It doesn't get any plainer than that. If we're not in unity with the Holy Spirit, then we are not united with Christ. We are not one of His children. I don't care what we label ourselves as. This is just the reality of what God's Word speaks. Verse 10, and I'm, I'm trying to get to a close here real quick. It says that now Christ lives, in li uh, lives His life in you, and even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, His life-giving Spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. Verse 11, it said, Yes, God raised Jesus to life, and since God's Spirit of resurrection lives in you, excuse me, He will also raise your dying body to life by the same Spirit, excuse me, that breathes life, excuse me, wow, life into you. This is the only way that it's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. And y'all have heard me give the scenario before. If we see a blind person getting ready to walk off a cliff, if we see a blind person getting ready to walk out into oncoming traffic, what are we going to do? The human part of us is to stop them, to save them. But you see, the reality is that a blind person really doesn't see that. They don't see the oncoming traffic. But this is what makes us see. And my Bible just told me that if the same Spirit of God that is, that is going to change us is not dwelling in us, then we are not a part of Him. In closing today, in closing, I'm going to read 10 verses. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 1 through 10. And I'll try to make this as, as brief as I can. It said, Then the, the Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground, and they were completely dried out. Now we talked about a seed being dry, right? Follow along with me here. Verse 3, he said, Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, You alone know the answer to that. Verse 4, 
Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached himself as a complete skeleton. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover the body, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath. From the four winds, breathe into these dry, uh, excuse me, breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into the bodies. They all came to life and stood on their feet, a great army. Move us to our last slide, baby. See, Jesus said, I have not. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. I will not judge those who hear me, but those that don't obey me. For I have come to save the world and not to judge it. But all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth that I have spoken. Maybe move us to the last slide. Don't double click it, just the last slide. You see, ladies and gentlemen, here's a reality here today. Is that right now, you have a choice. You've heard a word, the word, the only word that is able to save our lives. And the question is, is what are you going to do with the word that's been spoken to you today? Will it just be a C? Baby, just hit play right here again, my love. Right here, baby. I got one better for you than that. Because I don't want that to be a distraction. Because all the devil wants to do is try to use any obstacle that he can to deter you. To make your, your attention to move from what's on the screen, from what God is trying to speak to us, what He's speaking to your heart. And there's a word that's been spoken here today. It's a word that's being spoken that it's either going to do one or the other because He said in John chapter 12, verses 47, He said, those that don't receive My word or My message will be judged by it. And there's a word that you've heard today. So what does that really mean, James? What does that mean, Pastor James? You can't 
unhear what you just heard. You know when we stand before God on the day of judgment, our entire life is going to flash before our eyes. Because why? Because we're going to have to give an account for everything that we've done here on this earth. Whether it's good or whether it's bad. And that's just the reality, ladies and gentlemen. Is that we're going to have to stand before the very person that created us. And if He was to ask us to give an account for our life right now, what would it be? See, the question, the thing is, is it's not how you begin, but it's how you end. How will you end today's service? How will you end the invitation to know Him? Not as Savior, but as Lord. And that's only something that you can choose to accept. I can't do it for you. Your mom and dad can't do it for you. And I've been commissioned to bring a word today. And the commission for you now is what will you do with the word now that you've heard it? So, and if you decide that you want to make that decision today to make him your Lord. Yes, he's my savior. You know, my wife is my, my honey bun. She's my babe. But you know what she is? She's my wife. All these other words just describe who she is. But when, she, when she's declared as my wife, then it's, it's, the, it's the, the quintessential of who she is. It's the very, the very essential part of who she is to me. And that invitation must be extended to you as well today to, to move from Him just being a Savior to you to being your Lord. So if you want to make that decision today, it's not a ma it's, these aren't magical words that you speak because Christ isn't magical. It's words that come from your heart that just simply says, you know what, Lord? I've done wrong. And I've done life my way for way too long. Even if we've done it our way for one day, we've done it for too long. Lord, I've done life my way for too long. And I've always got the same results. I've always got the very same response. But Lord, I want to do it your way. Knowing that I'm going to get a different result. So I want to send the invitation to you today. If you could just, just close your head. Just bow your head for just a moment. I'm going to, I'm going to put something on here. Just a little music. Just for a few moments. Give me, give me three more minutes, ladies and gentlemen. Just three more minutes. Disappear, come on. It's just so serious, ladies and gentlemen. The decision that you make right now, the decision that you make right now is going to be that heartbeat that we were just talking about. It's a conscious decision. It's a decision to move forward. It's a decision to follow God. It's a decision to take up the cross and to follow Him. It's a decision to be that person that's laying in the casket that they don't care what they look like. What will you do with the invitation that God is sending each one of us today? Because even for me, ladies and gentlemen, it's still a daily decision. It's a moment-by-moment moment decision for me to say, Lord, I choose you 
over self. I choose you over this world. And you know what the reality is? Actions speak louder than words. Because here comes that part where we take up the cross and we follow Him. So I want to I want to prophesy this very same message over you today that 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 the uh, the prophet Ezekiel prophesied over these dry bones. Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath in you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover your skin. I will put breath into you and I will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Come, O breath of God. From the four winds, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come today to breathe into these dead bodies, Lord, that they may live again. I would pray that you would make that decision today. Because the Scripture says that tomorrow is not promised to no one. Tomorrow is not promised. This isn't a, this isn't a, oh, I'm trying to scare you. No, this is just, I'm just bringing reality to the table. We don't know where death is. Death could be when we walk out of these doors today. And the only thing that's going to matter is where is your relationship with God? You see, when, when, the, when the two thieves hung on the cross with Jesus Christ, you know, one ridiculed him, but the other one looked at him. He said, he said, Lord, you don't deserve to be here, but we do. And he looked at Jesus and he said, Lord, remember me when you inherit your kingdom. And Jesus looked at the thief, the man that was a thief, the man that was a murderer, the man that did wrong. And he just made a conscious decision. The Lord, remember me. He pleaded with Jesus, Lord, don't forget about me. And Jesus looked at the, looked at the man and he said, Today you will be with me in paradise. See, the only way that we can come to the Father is through Jesus. And the only way that we can come through Jesus is that the Spirit of God draws us. And the Spirit of God is drawing you. In, Romans, in Revelation chapter 3, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man or any woman, any person, any child hears my voice and they open the door, I will come in and I will dine with them. See, he wants to dine with you. He wants to come in, but he's not going to force himself. He just simply said, If you will open the door. Ladies and gentlemen, will you let, will you let that door open for God today? It's only a decision that you can make. I'll say this prayer with you. I'm not going to ask anybody to come to the front. I'm not putting anybody on point or on blast. But I'm going to say a prayer. And if you mean it, you, you say it amongst your heart. You say it in your heart. And you be real with God. Dear Lord, I've sinned. I have fell short, Lord, so many times. Lord, I have neglected You and I have pursued my own ambitions, my own intentions, my own motives. I've done everything, Lord, except for You. 
Lord, and I realize and I recognize my wrong in doing so. But Lord, as your word is spoken to me today, Lord, that I know that it's time for me in my life to move from death to life, to walk in newness of life. Lord, and you said the only way that I could do that is if your spirit lives within inside of me. But the only way that the spirit can live inside of me is if I first die. Lord, I ask you to come into my heart, to come into my mind, to come into my body, my soul. Let your blood cleanse me. Wash away all this filth and this rubbish that I've accumulated, Lord, for so long. Lord, make me new again. Make me white as snow. Lord, I want to know you in your resurrection and the suffering of your death. I want to be transformed into the image of who you are. I thank you, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I repent before you. And I no longer seek my way of doing things. But Lord, I seek you. So Lord, I thank you. I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.